guys, it's Bonnie. Today's podcast actually came out of a YouTube video that I was putting up about eight things that I'm really glad I tell my kids. And it ended up becoming more of a chat and really totally podcast worthy rather than just a YouTube video. So I'm taking the audio and I'm going to put it here on my podcast. It's been so long. I really needed some podcast content anyway. So I hope you enjoy this chat about eight things that I'm glad I tell my children. Eight things that I have done and implemented in my home to prompt my children to say ever since they could learn to talk. And I wanted to share them because some of them are really good. Parenting is not easy. I make a million mistakes. I'm going to make millions more before I'm done this parenting journey. But here's a few statements that I'm really glad that we are saying in our house. Okay, number one is make a plan. Now make a plan is one of my favorite statements to tell my kids because when they are arguing or fighting, it's a way for me to prompt them to work it out, to take turns. If, if they're gonna take turns, I don't say, oh, you guys take turns, I'll set the timer for five minutes. What I wanna do is I want them to make a plan together and for them to work out the plan for the turn to get their own timer, you know, depending on your kids' ages and stuff. We've used the term make a plan since they were really little. Um, sometimes when they were really little, we might have said use your words, like when they were toddlers, uh, or when at least my oldest was a toddler and he could speak a little bit. Use your words to try to explain and talk it out with your sibling instead of always running to mommy and daddy to resolve the conflict. Now, one thing that really struck me, I had a friend actually who was having a difficult time as an adult with her siblings, and one of the things she told me was that Growing up, their dad was the peacekeeper and their dad was someone who would help them resolve their conflicts, which was great back then, but now as grown-ups, they have a lack of understanding and ability to resolve conflicts with each other because dad has always been the peacekeeper. And that really struck me, it really stayed with me, and I thought, how can I what can I do in my home that will help my kids be able to resolve conflict? by themselves or even at least give them a chance to resolve conflict by themselves. So make a plan is definitely part of that. Now, are there conflicts where mom and dad need to step in? Yes, absolutely there are. But when the boys aren't getting along because they're fighting over a toy, that's a chance for them to make a plan to take turns. If one boy is abusing his turn and he's taking too long and the other one's getting impatient, that's another great opportunity to say, well, make a plan. Um, if you have a child who's anxiously waiting for something or they have anxiety about something, uh, maybe they want to go to a birthday party, but they have their chores to do. That's another great time for them to, to for you to say, make a plan. Let's talk about what we're going to do. Make a plan so that we can make sure your chores are done before you need to go. Number two is talk before you tattletale. Now, I really, really like this because what I was finding in my home is my boys are getting a little bit older. And again, with like the whole like fighting thing and arguing is what I was finding. And what most people find is pretty soon something happens and right away one or all of the siblings come and they tell mom or dad. And it's this big thing and they want you to resolve it for them. And again, I really want my kids to learn how to resolve things on their own. So another rule that we have in our home is to talk to each other before they come to mom or dad and tattletale on them or get us to help resolve the situation. There are exceptions to this. I realize that there are places, especially situations outside of our home, where my kids need to be fully aware that there are times when you need to go get an adult first. So we will talk through that. But as far as inside our home in the everyday, 
This is a standing rule with one exception. We did go through a few phases where the kids were getting angry with their fists. There was hitting and there was punching. And so we do have a rule that if you're so angry and worked up that you're just going to like hit your sibling, then you come get mom and dad instead. If they come and they say like, oh, I was so angry. I was going to punch him. So I came to get you. That's a good job. We want that. But when they're not that far gone, when it's just normal things, what the rule is, is they have to talk before they tattletale. If one boy steals another boy's toy, the, the boy who got the toy stolen has to go to the other one and say, hey, would you please give that back to me before they come to me and say, hey, they stole my toy. So it's just a way for them to, first of all, try to resolve it themselves. And secondly, the child who was kind of in the wrong, it gives them a chance to kind of redeem themselves before they get in trouble. Um, it gives them that one up. I also, I have to admit, I kind of get this from Matthew chapter five, where, you know, if someone messes up, you go to them. If they won't listen, then you go get some help and you get some backup, right? So it's kind of that mentality of like, try to talk first. And then if that doesn't work, then you go get more help. Okay, number three is actually kind of a few different phrases, but it's basically the idea of giving your kids a replacement for no. For a lot of kids, the first word they learn and or the, the most favorite word they learn very early is the word no. And it could be no, it could be no, it can be no, it can be all kinds of no's. And they're really annoying. <laughs> and I really, really don't want a lot of that going on in my house. I think there's a lot of other words that they can be saying instead of just flat no. It can be rude. It can be over the top. It can be angry. And those are the kinds of the no's that I want to stay away from. There is an appropriate place for a plain no or a no thank you. Um, but there's some places where no just doesn't belong. So before having kids, I actually worked with tutoring preschoolers using behavioral analysis. And one of the things that I had to do in my tutoring with these kids sometimes was appropriate word replacement. And that is when a child uses a word or phrase that's inappropriate or it's not right or there's a better way to say it, you instead of telling them, oh, that was wrong, you shouldn't say that, you just ignore what they said and say, say, and give them a replacement for that. So example, um, if a child is offered a cookie and they say, no, you know, obviously as a parent, you're gonna say, try saying no thank you or not right now. So there are things like that that we say in our home and we try to replace the no's with our kids. So they have a whole other set of language that's uh, usually more mannerly, a little less abrupt, a little less angry sounding or rude sounding, and that's the goal with the replacing of the nose. So it can be, I don't want to, not right now, maybe later. If it's something where a child is pulling another one's hair or something, instead of saying no, they can say, please don't, please stop. Like they can be abrupt. There's sometimes a place where we need to be like, no means no. And sometimes no is appropriate, but sometimes there's other words like please stop or please don't that we use actually quite a lot. And it's just a little more clear, actually, a little less rude. It takes a little more thought um, for the child than just learning that no that comes so quickly to their tongue. Number four is find a way. Now, I can't actually take credit for thinking this one up because I have a friend and we were on the phone talking about parenting and we were talking about how we wanted our kids to grow up being enthusiastic and wonderful kids and secure in their love in their family but also independent and this friend of mine was telling me that she uses a phrase that was find a way with her kids so when your child can do something and you know they can do it if they could only think about it and stop running to you for everything 
find a way is a phrase that can help your kids realize that they have to look around and try to problem solve while you're there. It's not a time to be like, I'm on my phone, just find a way and ignore them or turn your back. It's a time to like look at them, pay attention, see the solution even sometimes as a parent and to encourage them and say, find a way. If you say it's a hopeful statement, it's not demeaning or like, oh, come on, can't you figure it out? That's it's the opposite of that. Okay, Find a way stays hopeful and it helps the kids learn to be independent. So if Susie is trying to turn the light on in the bathroom or like my little girl who's always like, I need the light on, you know, and there's a stool right there, find a way. Push the stool against the wall, turn the light on. Sometimes I need, she's still really little, so sometimes I still need to like point to it and be like, find a way, <laughs> kind of as a little hint. So I think that's a great statement or phrase to implement in your house because it's a way to, in an encouraging way, encourage independence from our kids. Number five, and one of my favorites, is try again. So try again can be a really good replacement for negative responses to things. Um, if our kids mess up, it's nice to say, well, try again. You know, they missed the bat, they missed the ball when they were swinging. Try again. Um, it's also a phrase that I, I definitely use after discipline. Maybe they did something bad or they, they messed up. So we go through that and we deal with that, but then it's try again. I am not a fan of sitting and sulking. So, you know, if my kids take their school page and they scribble all over their page for the day, they're going to get in trouble for doing that instead of doing their worksheet. But I'm not going to reprimand them and then let them sit at the table and have this big cloud of like grumpy attitudes all day at our kitchen table while we try to do school. No, it's going to be we're going to handle that and then we're going to start fresh. We're going to try again. It's like a reset phrase. And I just I love it. Okay, number six is very important and I think extremely underused in most homes and that is sorry. So this is not a phrase that we want our kids to use. This is a phrase for moms and dads and caregivers. We need to be saying I'm sorry more often than not. I think this whole thing of parenting where you know you have control, you are giving direction, you're constantly trying to raise these children and it kind of has this like subconscious thing that it does to us that makes us think that we need to be perfect or act perfect or seem perfect and not have flaws and therefore for some reason it becomes super hard for us to apologize and unfortunately apologies are something that we not only have to show our kids and want our kids to do but we have to model it for them because the best kind of teaching is going to be when we model it and they can mimic that and we want our kids to be the kind of kids that say sorry that own up to things when they did something wrong and that starts with us so if you've been sitting there thinking, well, you're the mom, if you say sorry, it's going to make you weak. If it's a, if you say sorry, your kids are going to hold it over you or something like that. Big fat lies. You throw that out. Sometimes my kids do say things like, yeah, mom, you really should be sorry. Or yeah, you really messed up. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for just holding that guilt over me for a second. <laughs> They're just being honest. But part of me being honest and wanting honest kids is apologizing when I screw up. And it will bring our relationship closer and deeper when honesty is there and when apologies are there. And it's going to help them to apologize as well as they grow. Most of us need this word in our vocabulary more than it is already. And all of us have children who need to hear it. Okay, number seven is compliments. 
compliments, i think, are really, really important and something that i've been very intentional about. i've even gotten feedback from other people saying like wow, your kids are very complimentary. they compliment people a lot and i think that is a direct result of me intentionally complimenting them a lot. now, i'm not talking about flattery. i do not believe in paying your child a compliment when they don't, um, when it's not true. Like, I'm not going to say something that's untrue just to make you feel good. I want to stay far away from flattery, but I want to definitely bring those compliments up and, and be conscious about giving them because there's so much negativity. Like I was saying with parenting, we're so busy correcting and, and looking for flaws and, and trying to find ways to make our kids grow into these wonderful people, but we tend to always go in, into the critical space when we're doing that. And if you find yourself there, what we have to do is remind ourselves, oh yeah, I have to match that and even multiply it with more compliments in my children's lives. So we're not just beating them down, making them feel defeated. We need to make sure that we're complimenting them with truth, with things that they need to hear and that they should hear. And what I like to do is I also like to pair my compliments when I'm disciplining and stuff. So if, if they're at soccer and they weren't listening to the coach and they were goofing off, they're going to get a talk about that on the car ride home. I'm going to tell them like, that was not okay. You're not doing that again, you know, but I also need to make sure I'm saying, Hey, you played with tons of energy today, or you assisted that goal or whatever. I'm trying to consciously make sure that my conversation isn't only giving them correction. Uh, I do believe when, when we're talking to our kids in a disciplinary way, if we're correcting them, if we're admonishing them, we need to be focused on that and not butter it over on the, at the same time, our conversation doesn't have to end on that note. We can make sure that we're pointing out the good things that they did. So they don't, again, have our kids sit feeling defeated and wallowing in self-pity and stuff like that. So I'm really a big fan of compliments and I'm really, I love being conscious about it. It becomes a habit if you can get your brain kind of wired to look for things to compliment your kids on. They are everywhere. It's easy to compliment our kids. We love our kids. They're, it's like built into us. And we just have to wire our brain to make sure that we're looking for compliments as well, while we're also like looking for things we need to parent them on. <laughs> and let's make sure that we have parenting, not just the negative stuff. Like sometimes I think of parenting as all the negative things, like looking for things to correct. But parenting needs to have that love and those compliments as well. Okay, and that leads me into number eight. Number eight is, I love you. Now, I've actually, I've heard people tell me, I've listened to people say, you know, I don't say that too much because I don't want it to wear out. Or I save that for only special occasions because I want it to be really meaningful. I just, I just, I'm not, I'm not thinking on the same level as that. I just, I, I can't, I can't relate to that. I feel like every moment is precious. Every day is special. I want my kids to know that they are loved. If there's one thing that I want them to know 100% for sure and always remember long after I'm gone, it's that I love them and what love feels like. And even they will understand the love of our Heavenly Father better if they can have a taste of just a portion of that kind of love from a mom or dad or caregiver. So I love yous, I think, are extremely important. I think we should tell our children that we love them plenty, 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 and not hold it back. I will never put I love you on a shelf and save it for a special day. Every day is special enough to be saying I love you to my kids. 
and that's it. so i hope these gave you some ideas of maybe things you can brainstorm for the kind of wordage and vocabulary you need to have in your home with your kids. i know it's really hard sometimes to get those new things in your vocabulary when you're not used to doing that, when your brain's not used to being wired to remember all this stuff um but i hope that it will influence your home in a really positive way. thanks for being here. bye.